Our guest today is a guy that uh, I personally think I would just love to hang out with all the time. Uh, he's on a mission, and it aligns so well with what we're trying to do in F3 that it almost seemed criminal not to have him on. Uh, Ryan Mickler sold his financial advising practice and took a wild step into the unknown to try and meet the needs of men by starting the Order of Man. Uh, you can find more on that at orderofman.com. He's kind of a renaissance man and, and has a beard that all should envy. Uh, and I would hope that you would enjoy our chat today with uh, Ryan Mickler on this episode of 43 Feet. Leadership isn't for the faint of heart. It's dirty, dangerous, difficult, and disruptive. It will test everything about who you are. Unfortunately, as a leader, you're out front, which means you usually only get about 43 feet of good road built for those following behind you while you're running the race yourself. Welcome to the 43 Feet Podcast, where each week you'll hear from some of the greatest leaders we can find both in F3 and beyond. If you're going to lead, you'll need to be ready for the difficult challenges, for what lies ahead in the unknown, for what's lurking in the next 43 feet. Hello and welcome back to another 43 Feet Podcast. Uh, my name is Frank Schwartz, uh, Dark Helmet, uh, to my F3 brothers, as you all well know. And uh, we are, are I, I am sitting in a uh, some sort of abandoned conference room, uh, doing some leadership training up in uh, Michigan. Uh, not Michigan, I'm sorry, Wisconsin area. Uh, M-I-W-I, just flip it over. It's fine. Um, and uh, it's, all, it's all the upper Midwest. I don't have any idea where I am. <laughs> they just fly me around. Anyway, but uh, so it's kind of this very Spartan uh, sort of... Uh, thing going on behind me. Um, and as we were getting ready, uh, Ralph, of course, mentioned that this is probably reflective of what's happening inside my head. Uh, our guest today was a little more gracious and said, maybe it's, maybe it's a metaphor for the great information and knowledge that we'll put forward later. Uh, and I can neither confirm nor deny either of those to be possibly true. So, uh, but as always, I am joined by my, uh, my good friend, Ralph, Matt Crossman out of the St. Louis area. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great. And as someone who uh, grew up in Michigan, I would appreciate if you didn't uh, lump us in with Wisconsin. Not that I've got anything against uh, Wisconsin, but uh, you guys, they are you guys all love beef, beef, right? Don't you all love beef? And that's like a thing, right? Wisconsin, they eat a lot of meat, something. Anyway, I thought it was cheese. <laughs> Wisconsin, I, I thought it was cheese, but I, I don't know, whatever. So anything that comes from a cow, I think is that's basically Michigan, isn't it's it? Fair game. Now I'm just trying to make it mad, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Uh, and our guest today, and I have been super excited about this uh, for quite some time when it was even suggested because I was like, oh, he's famous. And so I, <laughs> so I got yeah. pretty geeked out, not going to lie. Um, but uh, we are joined today by uh, Ryan Mickler. Uh, tell me if I said that wrong, but I think I said it right. Um, you said it right. And, surprisingly, and he I is, mean, not surprisingly, yeah. but I don't get that a whole lot. People usually, well, Mitchler, but yeah. It's the it's the empty head thing, uh, you know, so I'm not surprised you're surprised. But uh, yeah, no, Ryan Mickler, he's uh, from the Order of Man. Uh, and if, if you were unfamiliar with that, we're obviously going to get to know him a little bit and a little bit about the Order of Man uh, today as we converse. Um, but also, he is a man who is on a mission. Um, and this is what I think kind of differentiates him uh, somewhat from... Uh, a lot of other guys who are out there kind of talking about similar kinds of things. I, I see a lot of men talking about masculinity and why it's important. And it seems like it's a little more focused on themselves and why they are experts or why they are, you know, so smart and they're going to teach you or this, that, whatever. And, and it seems like Ryan is a little bit more focused on, um, on others and, and building others and helping others to, uh, elevate themselves as men, as fathers, as husbands, uh, and all those kinds of things. And so I've been pretty excited because, um, in terms of alignment, uh, as, as all of you know, and I, and I'm going to kind of just throw past Ryan here so he can hear it, but, um, you know, our, our mission in F3 is to plant, grow and serve, uh, small men's workout groups with the purpose of invigorating male community leadership, uh, because that's where we see the whole, uh, in our country and in our world today, right? Is that there is a, a giant gap in what we would consider to be virtuous male leadership. There's a lot of men in positions of power, but maybe they aren't all doing it the way that we, <laughs> we think they should be, you know, for the, for the greater good and for the good of everybody involved. So, uh, and as I, I've read a lot of Ryan's uh, work um, and paid attention to a lot of his podcasts and the things that, that he's doing, um, it, it feels much more aligned than, than a lot of other people. So again, 
that's a lot of talking to say. I'm excited to have Ryan. Can you tell that I'm excited? Because I can tell. Well, I'm excited, <laughs> I, man. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to being here. Yeah. Well, I appreciate uh, that. I, I didn't tell you guys this, but I have actually done. I've only done one F3 workout. I had a friend of mine uh, <laughs> who's part of our. Uh, our exclusive brotherhood, the Iron Council. His name is Cam yeah. Wilson. Honestly, I don't know what his 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 F three name is. Is that what you call it? Fair name, nickname. Yeah, yeah, what do you yeah. call it? His nick- uh, idiot three, nickname, yeah. moron nickname, F three nickname. Yeah. It's all yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you guys all understand what it is. Uh, sure. I don't know what it is right offhand, but yeah, he. I, I went and visited him and his beautiful wife and his kids, and 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 uh, we had a great time. And he said, "Hey, you got to come to this thing." And I and I went, and I really enjoyed it. They gave me a name. I don't know if they document it anywhere because I have no idea what it was. I, I forgot. Oh no! <laughs> Maybe he knows what it is. But um, anyways, I did, I did go to a workout and I think there was about 15 guys there. And the guy that uh-huh. was, cause I think if I remember correctly, you guys rotate through who, who hosts the, yes. the workout, right? Yep. 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 And, and the guy was amazing. He did a wonderful job and he put us through a rigorous workout and uh, we got to see, you know, parts of, uh, of, of South Carolina that I wouldn't have seen otherwise. And we had a great workout. So I'm, I'm, That's I'm awesome. somewhat familiar with what you're doing by going one yeah. time, but yeah. it, it was a great thing. What you guys are doing is, is absolutely phenomenal. I love it. Uh, well, we appreciate that. And, uh, and, and it certainly has blessed a lot of lives as has, uh, what you're doing. Absolutely. So, 100%. Uh, so we're excited about all that. So let's, I'm going to just dive right in. Uh, and I think one of the obvious questions as men pull this up, especially if they're watching the video is your beard's kind of short right now, dude. <laughs> it is. It is. It's about, I would say, you know, 12 to 13 and shorter, uh, than, than it was probably a year ago or so. Yeah. So it's time to mix it up. Time to change it up a little bit. <laughs> So this is his summer are. beard. He's, he's preparing for summer, right? The summer That's beard. right. Yeah. That's right. I can't yeah. actually, you know, what, what most people don't understand about the beard, unless you've grown a long, full, luscious beard is that it actually works. It's kind of disgusting, but it actually works a lot like a swamp cooler. So you get the sweat that beads up and then you get the air that blows through it. And it actually cools you off pretty well, believe it or not. So <laughs> that is one thing I'm going to be missing this summer is the swamp cooler on my face. <laughs> I'm not sure you can sell it like that exactly. Like we'd be like, oh, come get your face swamp cooler. But yeah, yeah that's right. Um, that's right. But I like where you're hit. I love that. Yeah. Anybody I who has say, a beard that's longer than three to four to five inches, they know exactly what I'm they talking about. They know exactly. About. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Good, good, good. Well, and, and uh, we have a lot of guys who attempt beards, but I've often said if a man can grow a respectable beard, he probably should. Well, you have a moral obligation to do it. If, if you can, if you can do it or, and, or if your wife likes a beard, you have a moral obligation to grow it for every man who a cannot grow a beard and B whose wife does not enjoy the beard. So here we are with a beard. It's, it's like a proxy. Uh, I'm yeah. living my beard life out through Ryan. That's, that's I what mean, I'm look, doing. You guys and what we do, we're all about service to others. And I'm <laughs> trying to play my part for every man who can't, or his wife says, don't grow a beard. I'm trying to yeah. do it for you guys. You can live vicariously through me. How about that? He's, I like it. I like he's it very picking much. up the beard six. That's, that's right. exactly that's it. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cover the beard six. Um, and and so as we kind of go through, I'll have a bunch of questions. And Matt Matt is a much better question asker. I'm a more of a storyteller, so he may he may have more questions for you. But um, but Matt, you, you know, one of the things that you and I were talking about before we jumped in was kind of the how did Ryan get here and, and kind of what motivated him to do that. And so I don't know if you had any specific questions you wanted to ask around that, or if I was just going to kind of open it up there. Yeah, that that that's the main one. Is I mean, order of man, from my understanding, uh, exists to confront a particular societal problem. Uh, and I'm wondering how you, what, the, what you see as that problem, how you identified it and how you go about solving it. I wish I could say that when I started, it was very noble uh, and, and ambitious intentions, you know, that, that I would have imagined where it would grow over the past six years. It wasn't like that at all. Uh, I, six years ago, 2015, March of 2015, to be specific, uh, I was a financial advisor and I had a podcast for the financial advisory firm called Wealth Anatomy, where we taught medical professionals, how to deal with their, their money situations. And I enjoyed, really, really enjoyed this medium of podcasting and talking with experts and asking them great questions. I heard uh, one of my early mentors once said, the quality of your life will be determined by the quality of questions that you ask. Hmm. And so I started this podcast called Wealth Anatomy. And I realized fairly quickly that I love the medium of podcasting. 
I just wasn't interested in that conversation anymore. I, I'd been having that for eight to nine, 10 years, somewhere in there. And, and I realized, you know, I just, I don't want to have this conversation. I, I want to talk about something different. And uh, I was at the time, frankly, struggling as a father and a business owner and trying to figure out what I needed to do as a man and how I needed to show up for my wife and my kids. And I thought, okay, well, I've got this this podcast under my belt. I've had 20, 25 guests on. I think I can do this with, with exploring masculinity. And I want to be able to reach out to these high caliber men that I'm inspired by, that I'm impressed by, that, that, that I see what they're doing. And I, I think what they're doing is good. But why in the world would they talk to me? There's <laughs> no reason for them to talk to me. So I thought, well, I'll start a podcast and I'll tell them that a bunch of people listen, even though it's only probably like my wife and my mom. And then they'll give me one-on-one coaching and I'll just publish it. And it was very interesting from day one, the first episode that I released just took off. I mean, it did better probably in, in total downloads than 20 episodes prior with my financial planning practice. Mm. And, and I realized very quickly that men were very, very interested in this information, similar to what you guys are doing. You know, it's, 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 it's probably, I wouldn't say shocking, but it's for you, it's probably pretty inspiring that you can put together an, an event on a Saturday or whatever it is, and you'll have 20 or 30 guys show up. That's a testament to the fact that men want to be around other men. We're communal by nature. We, we have been hardwired that way for thousands and thousands of years. And only until relatively recently have we gone our own way. I attribute a lot of that to just the ease of modernity, uh, but also how it's illustrated and communicated in the media and entertainment industry. You know, you look at John Wayne and uh, Jason Bourne and James Bond and the Marlboro Man. You know, these are guys that are, quote unquote, the epitome of masculinity. And one thing they all have in common is they're the lone wolf. They don't work well with others. They don't work on a team. They do it all by themselves. And so somewhere along the way, we began to believe that that's how a man behaves. And it just isn't true throughout history. You guys understand that and are intimately familiar with that. Yeah, Definitely sexy. Definitely sexy. How can you argue that? But (laughs) it isn't productive. (laughs) Fair. Yes. Agreed. So let's be sexy and productive. That's what I'm all about. And that's why it grows the beard. Yeah, hundred percent. If you saw what was under the beard, you would know. <laughs> you would. You guys would be telling, bro, grow a beard. You should grow. <laughs> you like, grow you a beard. should really think about cover that. your face. You know, it's yeah. funny because uh, I don't get this so much anymore. But when I had that beard that was like fifteen inches long, and I have people, this is crazy. I would never say this in a million years to anybody I didn't know, but they would say this. Random strangers. I don't really like beards, and. <laughs> And at first I didn't know how to respond to that. And eventually I just, I, here's what I started saying. That's okay. I don't really like your face either. And that <laughs> shut it down pretty quickly. So <laughs> anyways, that's why we started order yeah. of man. And here we are. I wish I could say it was noble intentions. It was very selfish. And I, I think it's evolved through the realization that men need this. And also my own level of maturity that uh, I want to serve other people. I want to thrive. I want to win. I want to succeed. Sure. Uh, But I also want to see other men do the same. Yeah, no, we agree. In fact, it's funny because, and and not being totally familiar, I imagine, but uh, F3 started in in a similar ish way in the sense that it was like, you know, Dave Redding, who's our, our, and and, uh, Tim Whitmire, the founders of of F3 were like, you know, uh, we're sick of being fat. Uh, We're sick of looking around and going, you know, we're all just kind of like, you know, according to Jim, you know, the TV show where it's just like, you know, this is, this is what man, this is manhood or so it's either have to be that way or you have to be James Bond. And since none of us can be James Bond, I guess we'll default to this, you know, fat loser on the couch kind of guy. And so we may not be able to be James Bond, but I think we should be aspirational, right? I think we should be working towards that. Agreed. Well, and so, and so we're going to dive into that because uh, that, that is one of the things I think is important for us to, to kind of identify and say, you know, is it, you know, what is ideal? right? What is ideal? But F3 started because the, it kind of by accident and kind of, you know, in a similar way where it was like, there was no noble intention. It was just like, well, we just wanted to work out. Exactly. You know? And then it just sort of blew up, you know, it was like an accidental, like, Oh, Oh, apparently this is a thing. I, uh, apparently everyone wants to work out and there's something more than the workout going yeah. on here. And, uh, you, you were going to say something about that. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, um, I hear from a lot of guys, I'm sure you guys do too, that, that talk about, 
their, their, their purpose or their mission? Like, what is my mission? What is my purpose? What am I meant to do? How do I discover my passion, et cetera, et cetera. For me personally, and for thousands and thousands of guys that I've talked with at this point over, over the past six years, it doesn't work like that. It, it, isn't, it isn't that one day you're just going to stumble upon your purpose to your passion. And then the, the clouds are going to part and the angels are going to sing hallelujah, you found it. It doesn't work like that. It, we see that in the movies to go back to the movies. And, you know, you got two hours to tell a story, really. It doesn't work like that. What, the way that it works in my experience and what I've seen other men go through is that we take a step into the unknown, yeah. something yeah. that's maybe even slightly remotely interesting and we realize, you know, I kind of like this. I'm going to take another step and another step and another step and another step. And you don't trip over your purpose or your passion or your calling or whatever you want to call it. You articulate it. You develop it through one step at a time. But I think what a lot of guys believe is that if the angels don't sing from the heavens and tell us this is our path, that somehow or, or maybe it's not what's meant to be. And maybe that isn't what it is. Maybe you just need to take a step into the unknown and see where it goes. Now, I've taken plenty of steps that I didn't like. You know, I, I took a step and I'm like, nah, eh, not yeah. interested. And so I right. take a different step. You know, I turn, I pivot, you know, and I move left or I move right. Yeah. But you don't, you aren't entitled to it. It isn't going to just miraculously fall, fall in your lap. You have to take the step and then the step. And for me, it wasn't like, I'm going to start this incredible movement and podcast that's going to reach tens of millions of people. And I'm going to have over 360 conversations with the most successful men on the planet. No, it was like, I'm interested in starting a podcast because I want to talk with these guys and look over six years of what it's developed into. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love that point. I was a sports writer for a long time. And the way that that got illustrated to me was I would watch when I was covering baseball or, or writing about NASCAR. Those are the two that I wrote about the most. You see a guy hit a 95 mile an hour fastball. You think, oh, he's just gifted. He can do that. Mm. And I can. But then you think, well, no, hold on a second. When he was six, he was hitting a, a 40 mile an hour fastball. When he was eight, he was hitting a 50. You know, he just, there are steps along the way. You don't fall out of bed and be able to, you know, drive into the corner at Talladega wide open. You know, you, you don't. That's just not the way it works. You have to take that step and yeah, maybe you suck at it. So you take a step at something else. But I think societally, you know, starting from a very young age, we uh, describe failure as like the only bad consequence or the only bad outcome. And actually we should think of it as a good one because then the only way to learn is by failing. So I agree. You know, it's interesting though, Ralph, about that. I don't know much about NASCAR. I've been to a couple of events. I've got some friends that actually got me uh, into the pits and everything. So I've seen it close up and it's incredible. But baseball, I know a little better. You know what Bryce Harper's still doing today? Because everybody's looking at him and thinking this guy's naturally gifted. You know what he's still doing today? He's still taking soft toss. Yeah. He's still hitting off a tee. He's still taking BP every day. Yeah. He's doing the same things that you just said a six-year-old would do. My, my five-year-old son is doing that in the, in the backyard with me. And Bryce Harper and some of these other incredible, amazing athletes are doing the exact same things they were doing when they're six years old. They're just incredibly good at it because they've been doing it for two or three decades. Yep. Yeah. I think, I think that's part of skill. The ability to practice, uh, the ability to show up on time, the ability to put in hard work, that's a skill. And I don't think everybody yes. has. We, we had... The, the most recent uh, episode of 43 Feet, we had uh, the general manager of the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, Mike Gersh, whose uh, after name is Deep Dish. And we talked a little bit about Albert Pujols, who uh, we both kind of agreed was the best example of phenomenal gifts. There's just no question he's got better vision and faster hands and he's stronger than a normal person. But he practices so much and he works so hard that those two combinations, that's why he's great. It's not because he's gifted. It's because he's gifted and he works his tail off. Well, there's yeah, plenty we, of guys that have fast hands, that have great eyesight, that have great eye-hand coordination and dexterity that you know nothing about yeah. because yeah. they haven't done a thing with it. Well, and we often say, you know, talent plus, talent without discipline is bullshit, right? I mean, that's kind of the, you know, one of the cliches. But and and we talk a lot in our work about, you know, talent is is something you may have that comes naturally, that may be, you know, that you were gifted with something, uh, but you have to add, you know, experience. Uh, you have to add knowledge. You have to add, you know, you have to add a lot of other ingredients for it to become a strength, you know, before mm -hmm. it can be something that you're actually good at, that you that you can be useful in the world for. 
And I think what you were kind of getting at there, Ryan, too, is that, that your, your purpose uh, or whatever is a lot the same way that you are maybe naturally inclined toward a certain thing or a certain kind of thing or a certain activity or and you may have some skills you know innate in you that make it so that you're like you know what it turns out i'm drawn to men or there may be life experience that it's like you know it turns out that what i think men need are this you know or whatever but until you step out and add knowledge and experience and you know all these other things it it you can't find it because otherwise it's just an intellectual exercise you know, of pretending yeah, that that's you a nice know way. what a purpose you said, is. You said it really nice. You said intellectual exercise. I call it mental masturbation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's the same thing. You yeah. know, look, feels good. It feels really good, but it doesn't get it. It doesn't get the job done. Yeah, yeah. There's no right? productivity so, there. A lot of us will read books and listen to podcasts and 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 everything that we possibly can to consume, 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 and we think we're moving the needle. No, you're. You're not. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that. You should consume knowledge and information, but at some point you've got to apply it. You've got to put it into practice. And if if you're not, it's either mental masturbation or what my friend Andy Frasilla calls uh, learning zombies. Hmm. Learn, hmm. learn, 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 learn. Consume, 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 and then it's like, okay, well, good. You've got all this information, but you're not sharing it with anybody. You're not bettering anybody's life. Yeah. What a, what a waste. You're not being good for something. Right. Yeah. It's not enough right. to be good. You got to be good for something. Yeah. And I think that's a very manly thing. You know, uh, I'm sure you guys are familiar with uh, John Eldridge, the, the author of Wild at Heart, of course, Wild at Heart. Books yep. as well. Uh, and he says, uh, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but he says, you know, men, men and boys are constantly asking or attempting to answer the question, am I, am I capable? I believe is what it is. You know, am I capable? And, and we as men are defined by what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there's a lot of fluffy fairy tale kind of BS out there that says, you know, you just, oh, you just be a good man and you just feel good about yourself. And no, like, I don't feel good when I'm sitting on the couch, just being present on with a TV. <laughs> like I feel good yeah. when I'm producing effective outcomes for people, when I'm serving my kids or uh, I'm, I'm lifting weights or um, I'm answering questions for other men that are dealing with experiences or problems and things that they have when I'm being useful and, and, and I hear from a lot of men who have real confidence issues, have ha- definitely have uh, self-esteem and worth issues. And they think, well, why can't I just figure this out? You know, they look at other people and they think, well, this guy's just confident. No, he's earned that. You earn that. You know, you earn it by going to do your workouts when you say you're going to, even though you may not feel like it. You earn it by asking for a promotion. You earn it by asking that beautiful woman on a date, even though you don't feel comfortable asking her on a date. You feel confident when you ask for a promotion. You feel confident when you're useful. Yeah. So if you're a man and you're not feeling useful, the answer isn't just be happy with yourself and embrace your mediocrity. The answer is clearly go be more useful. Right. Figure it out. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, I mean, it's that, that what seems to be just this breakneck race to the bottom that our yeah. society seems to be obsessed with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's easy, right? It's easy to say, well, you know, the reason I'm not as good as I can be, or the reason here, here's a great example. The reason I don't have as many podcast listeners is because Frank and Ralph are taking all the podcast listeners. <laughs> We're so much better than you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. So like, there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, man, go yeah. out and get it. You know, like I, I just had a conversation with Tim Grover. He was coach for uh, Kobe Bryant and, uh, mm. and Michael Jordan, among others. I've he heard came of out with a new book. Yeah, yeah he, he, you've heard of those couple of guys. I don't know. I, I Kobe think so, yeah. yeah, Kobe who now? <laughs> yeah, uh, I had a great conversation, and he said, you know, one thing people believe about winning is that winning is for others. That's, mm. that's actually part of his new book. He's like, winning is for other people. No, winning is for you, but you have to go take it. Nobody's going to present it to you and say, here, here, here you go. Like, we want you to be happy and wealthy and prosperous and have all your wildest dreams come true. No, you actually have to go in to a space, whether it's with, with, with a woman or with a job or with a business adventure or uh, with, with physical fitness or jujitsu or whatever your thing is. And you have to go in and you have to assert yourself and you have to take what you believe is yours with yeah. With honor and integrity and virtuous behavior, sure. Oh yeah, but you yeah, you're not to, saying you have to go take. be a jerk. No, yeah. of course not. But you, but you've got to make some intentional steps toward this end because it's not going to. I know. 
Well, as I say, I know that T-ball maybe taught you something different or, you know, that's the one we always use, right. Is the joke, right. Is, Oh, everybody gets a trophy or, you know, whatever it is. Right. I mean, I, I understand that the world wants you to believe that. Um, but, yeah, but, but that's you know just what's not- funny. So I've coached, I've got, I've got four kids. I've got three boys and a little girl and I've coached my two oldest boys T-ball teams when they were, you know, five, six years old, whatever the age is. And you know, it's and football as well. You know, what's interesting about this five, six year olds. What do they do when the game's over? Even though rec leagues typically at that age, don't keep score. Cause they'll say, you know, like we want oh, yeah. kids to learn the game. What do the boys say? Yeah. The who first won? question who won? Yeah. It's always who won. Right. And then, and then and we then have that conditioned out of us over time. That's what I say. And then we as adults are like, but it made you sad when you lost. And I want you to be happy forever. So I'm going to make it so nobody loses. I don't want people to be happy. I want them to be fulfilled. And I think there's a very, very, I know that's what you want to. I right. know that's what you want. I'm saying, I think that's what's happened. In our, and we call it in, in F3, we refer to it as goo. Um, and, and we, we say that's the, the theory that everyone should be universally happy. You know, and, the, and there are purveyors of this out there that are like, oh, no, no one should ever be sad. No one should ever have to struggle. No one should ever. And, you know, and, and you and, and, and F3 us, we would all kind of look and say, uh, actually, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And I feel really confident saying that um, we were put here on this planet. However, you want to, you know, we can we can argue about how we got here and, you know, and, and why we're here or whatever. Right. Sure. Not, yeah. Not interesting. But but here we are. And for us to be effective and for us to actually make some sort of difference and do something in the world, we're going to have to embrace and maybe even seek out the difficult and the dangerous and the dirty. That's part of our job. It's hard though. You know, one experience I had recently with my oldest son who just turned 13, he's been on this miraculous journey over the past, I would say six to eight months where he's lost a bunch of weight and you know, he's becoming a young man. It's crazy to see. It's it's actually very inspirationally part of. And he's started to train jujitsu with me over the past, I would say, six months, five, six months, somewhere in there. And I'll tell you, one of the hardest things for me to do was the first night that him and I went to jujitsu together. I had been going for years at this point. I said, why don't you come along with me? And so him and I rolled and I rolled with him appropriate to what he needed at the time. And when the buzzer went off, cause the time was over, I said, okay, now you got to go roll with somebody else. And so he went and rolled with another grown man and it was hard as a father. I'm like, Ooh, is he going to be nice? Yes. Very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I've got a grown man beating the shit literally out of my 13 year old kid <laughs> as a father. I'm like, Ooh, like it's on, you know, <laughs> it was hard for me. But then yeah. also I realized no, actually, this is exactly what he needs. He needs to be confronted with challenge. In this case, it was physical and mental, sure. And he needed to learn those lessons from somebody else. But we, we want to preserve our egos and we want to preserve our own emotions and feelings. And it would been, have been very easy for me to say or feel, I don't like this. We're not going to do this again. But instead, I realized, no, this is exactly what he needs. And it's uncomfortable for me. It's certainly uncomfortable for him. And yet that is exactly what this young man of mine needs in his life. Oh, yeah. I would agree with that 100%. I think one of the biggest struggles any father goes through is that tension between wanting to provide safety and, and comfort uh, to our kids, but also knowing that if that's all you ever give them, that's a terrible idea. Uh, one of my kids, when she was uh, very young, would get to the top of the slide and she would literally get to the top of the slide and say, I don't think this is a good idea. And she would turn around and walk down, not even mm-hmm. go down on the slide. Uh, last weekend, I had to tell her, hey, could you take it easy on the ATV? You're going to give your mother a heart attack. And then uh, in the last summer, we went to Colorado and we were on a ropes course. And she was on this particular part of the ropes course where the, the ropes look like a U and you have to walk from one to the other. And you're completely strapped in. It's not like she's going to fall. But she was absolutely scared out of her mind, just terrified. And I'm trying to balance. Do I, do I go get her? And like... 70% of me wanted me to go get her. 30% of me said, let her try until she just, there's a, there's a point at which you'll know you have to go get her. And I'll be damned if she went all the way across hmm. because 
She scared, 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 scared. The guide gave her just the right. She wouldn't listen to me. Uh, I couldn't tell her because I hadn't done it. But the guide gave her just the right description of how to do it. And then she went, I thought I was going to start crying. So it's amazing. You know, what's funny is we think of our jobs as fathers to help coach our children down the slide. We'll use that analogy. And it is, you know, you want to, you want to prepare them for what's about to happen. But I think sometimes we forget some of our job, at least a percentage of our job is to go over there and take the ladder off. (laughs) Yeah. There's no way down. This is the only way. You know, it's interesting (laughs) that you say that because I, I just, I was just talking to somebody else about this and uh, he had, frankly, the exact opposite take of yours, uh, where he said, think about the confidence it took in her to say, I'm not going to do this. I am comfortable walking down the slide, seeing, having everybody see me not go down the slide and walking down it instead. He said, that took a lot of confidence too. And that blew my mind a little bit because I hadn't really thought of it that way. I'd always thought, like you said, I, I, I really wish she had gone down the slide, but he it made me think about it a little differently. I'll put it that way. So. Yeah. I, I mean, I get that. I can see that, but At the same time, I don't want my kids to be confident for the wrong reasons. Yeah, confident in the wrong things. Okay, so maybe maybe that was a risk. Sure, you're going to be subject to ridicule and mockery by doing that. So there's some bravery in that. But peer pressure in the right environment can be a good thing. Sometimes we just look at peer pressure and we think, oh, well, this is just wrong. Yeah, if you're telling your kids to smoke crack or something, yeah, I would say that's probably wrong. But if you're encouraging them to do something that that is scary, you know, to show up to jujitsu or to go down the slide or or even as grown men to speak in public or to ask for a promotion or ask a woman on a date, the the peer pressure by men who are in your corner, which is what you guys do better than anybody else, men in your corner who believe in you, who are rooting for you, who might bust your balls a little bit, but do it from the right place. That peer pressure is invaluable. And that goes back to what we were saying earlier about this lone wolf thing versus operating and working in tribes, which is what we should be doing with the caveat of, of being in the right tribe of people who care about you. We we have a term, we have a term for that peer pressure. We call it emotionally headlocking somebody where Mm. you, uh, I mean, I'm, you know, we're, we've got 10 guys. We're going to ride across uh, our bikes across Missouri uh, in a couple of weeks. And that's, Solely because we basically we guilt each other into do it. Like we we chicken. You're not. You're not you, right. you can't do the ride, right? And that yeah, that's that's a valuable way of uh, persuading somebody to do something. You yeah, it's interesting are, though because oh, a lot of society. Well, I was going to say a lot of society doesn't see it that way. What they see is yeah. they see this mockery, or they see this ridicule, yeah. uh, and, and and they interpret it as toxic. Yes. Oh, you got oh. Like my friend the other day, he was complaining about his back. And I said, you know what that's called? And he's like, what? And I said, it's called LBS. There's a, there's a clinically, di- there's a clinical diagnosis for that. And he's like, what is that? And I said, it's called little bitch syndrome. And he said, oh my gosh, it actually just went away. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. That leads, that leads me to a question that I wanted to ask you. Uh, clearly you're a, you're a flamethrower. Uh, you do not care if you're going to offend somebody you know, there's in the journalism business, we have the saying, don't read the comments because they would just be horrible. You could give a <laughs> about the comments, obviously. Uh, when you had your, uh, you know, financial podcast for doctors, were you slinging arrows on that too? Like, how did you, how did you grow into this uh, mentality? If, if that's the right word. I don't, I don't think I was when I was at that stage, I was, I was certainly more reserved and, and I, and I really cared about the the way that people perceived me. And it was very ironic because the more I, cared and worried about that, the less people thought of me. Uh, and then I became more confident in who I was by my work, not just, just because I should feel better about myself, but because I started working out, I started getting in shape. I started making more money. I started leading my family and my friends and my community well. And so I earned the right to have this mentality. You, you, you do, I do think you have to earn it where I've said enough things and look, I put my foot in my mouth all the time, all the time, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay risking that and saying something that might offend somebody. My wife occasionally will, will, will wake up in the morning and she'll say to me, who are you going to piss off today? (laughs) I don't set up. I don't, I think of it as encouraging people, but okay. These people I'm going to actually, I was thinking about this group of people today. Here's (laughs) let me go down my list. I don't, I don't set out to do that. I don't set out to be offensive, of course, but I also don't care. 
I, if, if somebody takes it the wrong way or misinterprets it or they don't like it, Hey, you know, that's fine. And I'm yeah. willing to take the risk because I've earned the right to feel confident in taking that level of risk. Cause it is well, a I risk. Every time I open my mouth, it's a risk. Absolutely. And I would contend uh, just based on what I've read and the things that I've heard you say, and, and also kind of uh, knowing that I think, you know, again, kind of our alignment on a lot of things here uh, is Yes, you you don't mind being offensive. I don't think you would ever seek to be offensive for the sake oh, of being of offensive. But I think that uh, you do want to be disruptive, um, and I think that is something that is valuable. And in the sense that yeah. taking your status quo and taking this, you know, I'm going to stay in my comfort zone. I'm going to kind of just, you know, shrink and be, you know, uh, the aw shucks guy or whatever. I, I I think that, and that's something that certainly. Uh, F3 did for me personally. And I, I watch it happen for a lot of guys. And I think uh, you may, you may agree that, um, that we, we don't want to be offensive, but we certainly, we, we, but we also refuse to let you sit where you are and say you're good enough. Well, look, I, I mean, at this point I've had conversations with, I think I alluded to it earlier, over 350 highly, highly successful men. I've seen the list. It's incredible. at least partial. Yeah. Yeah. Partial. <laughs> it's, it's, it's incredible. The men that we've had on. And I'll tell you what, the men that I'm most inspired by, the conversations I enjoy the most are, are the conversations I have. And I often say this and I say it respectfully, but are the conversations I have with the weirdos and assholes. <laughs> I don't want to have conversations with bland, boring people who are doing life mediocre. I want to talk with weird and strength. I had a conversation with Cody Jinx. He's a country music singer. He's absolutely unbelievable. And as we were talking, I looked at his background and he's got his bookshelves are coffins. They're literal coffins. And I'm like, tell me about your coffins behind you. And he had all these little trinkets and everything else. And he told me the story of these coffins and his trinkets. That's what I want to hear about. You know, the yeah, people dude. who are most successful are the ones who stand out. They're a little awkward. They're a little weird. They're that, they, you know, you might, you might misread them and think they're, they're jerks or a-holes and, they're not, they're just different. And I like that. I want to be that. And when I consider and look at what, what I am, I'm a marketer. It took me a long time to wrestle with that, especially in the financial mm. plan, financial planning field. Uh, I, I thought that I, I, I didn't want to come across as a salesman, that that, that was sure. a bad word, right? Why, why, why is that bad? Nothing happens without somebody sold to them. (laughs) And not even that, like when you're dating a woman, you got to sell yourself, man. When you want a promotion, you got to sell yourself to your boss. When when you want to start a podcast, you got to sell yourself why somebody should actually listen to you. And if you're boring and bland and mediocre and you don't have anything interesting to say, or you say it in the, the way that everybody else says it, why should anybody listen to you? What right do you have to tell them about anything unique or different or special or important? We got to be different and we're all different. You know, we're all weird. We like weird things. All of us, strange things, embrace it. It's okay. And that's to to your point, you know, you say we got to be different and that's, but again, much like in, uh, you know, being offensive or whatever, you never want to be different for the sake of being different. The point you made though, is that, and I think this is valuable is that you got to be different because you already are. And so what you have to be is true to yourself. You've got to embrace who you are, how you were made. And the fact that, I am, I am this way. Like, mm-hmm. I think everybody's interesting. I, I really believe that. I think everyone, if you dig is actually interesting. Um, and there's probably something to say, but most of us kind of covered up in all the BS and, you know, whatever that we deal with every day. And so we, we sit locked, uh, in our little cage, you know? And, um, and I think that that part of our mission and I, and I, I perceive it as part of yours as well is to, is to, to turn to men and say, Hey brother, uh, you don't have to be like that, man. Like mm-hmm. you can be unlocked. You can, you can rise to the potential that's in you. You can be something, you know, you don't have to sit around and just be this, you know, kind of, you know, halfway mediocre, you know, on a scale of one to 10, you've always been four to six your whole life. You know, like that's, you don't have to be that guy. You, you can be a 10. You yeah. can be a 10. You are a 10, but like, but you, but Fair. you said it, Frank, already, you, you said it. We spend our whole lives trying to appease other people, trying to fit in, trying to toe the line, doing what we're told. I mean, we've been conditioned since the time we were four or five years old to sit down, to shut up, to color within the lines, do what you're told, follow directions, follow the rules. And if you don't, you get in trouble or there's some risk associated with that. And yet we look at the most successful people in the world and they don't color within the lines. They don't pull punches. I'm not even sure they believe in coloring books. <laughs> no, 
They're <laughs> they're all over the place, right? All over the yeah, place. Man. You know, I look at my youngest son. He's yeah. five years old now, and he's given me more gray hair than any of my kids combined. But I love him for that because I see him and he's unique and he's different. He's interesting and he's loud and rambunctious and he's kind of a little bit of a jerk sometimes and he bucks the system. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. Oh, I, I wonder that. why. I wonder where he gets that. Yeah. Where, 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 his, where would he have learned that? Right. It's clearly <laughs> his mother. Right. Clearly his mother. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So speaking of your boys, uh, you embarked on a project that I read about a little bit. Uh, and I find very intriguing, uh, if not uh, strange, maybe uh, in its own way. Uh, and you, I think you know where I'm going, but you, you hand built uh, a canoe. Not yet. I've glued a bunch of wood together. Okay, fair. You are in the process of building yes. a canoe. Because okay. a canoe, so a bunch of guys have asked me about the canoe. A canoe is only a canoe if it floats. <laughs> okay. All right, you know, fair. like I had, Otherwise, I had a friend of mine looking. He entered, he entered exactly. It's just wood glued together. It's firewood glued together. I had a friend that introduced me to somebody else and he's like, Hey, this guy built an awesome boat. I'm like, nah, I didn't build a boat yet. Like it's not actually a boat. It's, it's only a boat if it does what it's supposed to do. So I'm trying to build artwork that's functional. That's, that's what we're trying right now. Maybe it's just artwork, but we don't know if it's functional yet. We got to put it out in the water first. Fair. Why? Yeah. I would say, but the real question is, I don't why look at anything it? and go, yeah, why would I glue wood together to make anything? I don't know, but why not? You know, why not? Okay. Then I why mean, not? Look, I'm not, I'm I, and I'm not trying to just, you know, like throw like, why not? Like if that's a thought that comes into my mind, then you have an obligation to do that. You, you I, I, I firmly believe that. Look, we were talking about whether like where people come from creation, evolution, et cetera, et cetera. I, I, I believe in creation personally. Okay. If I don't, do that it's a slap in the face of my creator he gave me that either information he implanted that in my brain or he presented me with enough experiences where that thought came into my mind why wouldn't i build that why wouldn't i do that Hmm. everybody's thinking about why i shouldn't you know like oh build a canoe oh yeah that'd be fun and i've had a bunch of people thousands of people tell me oh you know i thought about that 20 years ago blah 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 (laughs) <laughs> but what? Why didn't you build it, man? Like, why didn't you spend some time and build it and, th- and see if you could do it? And that's what I thought. So last year, uh, I was at the lake with, with my family. We spent a lot of time at the lake last year. And we bought one of those uh, lifetime kayaks. You know what I'm talking about? Those like big plastic yeah they're awesome lifetime brand yeah lifetime brand that's right yeah yeah they're they're incredible they're awesome so we bought a kayak and and um we we took it out on the lake and we really enjoyed it we had a lot of fun with that and i was paddling on the lake and i thought this would be way cooler in a canoe that i built myself (laughs) and so (laughs) i said i'm gonna build a canoe and i told my son i'm like hey i'm gonna build a canoe you want to do it with me he's like yeah i want to do it with you and i told my wife she's like don't don't (laughs) do that and I said, why? And she said, well, you've got a list of, <laughs> you know, a mile long of everything else that you said you wanted to do. And, and you've got all these other things. And I said, okay, yeah, you're probably right. And then I bought a canoe anyways. <laughs> <laughs> and so we started January 1st, we built the strong back and the strong back. If you're not familiar is the, the bench that you actually build the canoe on. Mm-hmm. So we built that strong back January 1st. And here we are at the end of April. Uh, and we're about 30 days out from finishing this thing. And it's been amazing. It's been such a rewarding and fulfilling experience. And I've, I've had conversations about girls and drugs and sex and school with my 13 year old kid that I just would not have had these types of conversations in any other environment. So the canoe is great, but more than that, for me, it's created an opportunity and a space for me and my oldest son to connect in a way that I'm not sure we would have had the space or margin to do any other way. So even when I think about, you know, in, in 30, 45 days, as it starts to get a little warmer and we finish things up, I, I think about taking the canoe out onto the lake with him and being able to celebrate the fact that we built this and it may have dings and nicks and it may not be perfect, but we built that. And that's a pretty amazing thing considering we have no experience in woodworking or carpentry. 
So what, uh, what about if you've got this long list of things that your wife described uh, of things that you, you've said, oh, let's do this or let's do that. What about the canoe made you zero in on it and grab it and say, I'm doing this one? It just seemed exciting. It just seemed like it was something that I'd never done before. And I, and I enjoyed the challenge of it. I can do the honeydews and the things around the house and paint the trim and replace the flooring. I, I can do that stuff. And, and I will do that stuff. And I have done that stuff. I, in fact, I'll, uh, in all fairness, she said, you have a thousand other things to do. And I said, look, I'm, I'm going to build a canoe, whether you want me to or not, I'm going to build it. So, but in all fairness to you and respect out of, out of what you, what you would like to have done around the house, I'll do these things first. So I finished up a few other projects around the place. And, and then we, we got the canoe, we started on the canoe, but I'll tell you what, having the canoe as, as a benchmark, got those things done a whole lot quicker. So she probably appreciated that. <laughs> Uh, but it was just something I'd never done before. And I want to know, like, I'll give you another example. My, my, and we talked about this before we hit record. We moved uh, to Maine from Southern Utah two years ago. And I sold my financial planning practice. We sold a bunch of our personal belongings. We left the home that my wife and I had her wedding reception in. Her parents had her wedding reception in. Her brother had their wedding reception in. In fact, two of them, I believe, had their wedding receptions at. Her grandfather built that home with a neighbor 50, 60 years ago. And we left that home. We left the, she's fourth generation born and raised in that little valley in Southern Utah that we moved from. And we had every excuse in the world not to leave. And I'll have people say, oh, you know, I wish I could do that. But, but we've got family, but we've got jobs, but we've got this, but, but nothing. I had all that stuff. You don't think I had that stuff? We had friends, we had obligations, I had a business, I had, I had things there. And that's the nature of sacrifice. If you want something of meaning and significance, then you have to give something. It's what is required. You have to give something up. And so as I thought about the canoe, I thought, hey, you know, like some other things are going to go by the wayside. Maybe all the things around the house aren't going to get done, but I want to know. I want to answer the question. Can I build it? I don't know. I don't know if I can. But I'll be damned if I don't find out. And I might put it in the water and it might sink. At least I know. At least, like, isn't that's what I want? I want to know if I'm good yeah. enough. That goes back to what John Eldridge was saying. Am I enough? I don't know. Let's find out. Let's put it to the test. Well, and if it doesn't float to you, that I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, is that it's kind of immaterial at this point. I mean, if all you wanted was a canoe, no, you could have gone and bought actually. a canoe. No, 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 no way. it's not. No, no, it's, it's not. not just it the process. If it doesn't, if it doesn't float, you didn't build a canoe. It's not a canoe, and and I've sure. had guys say that, and they've said, and look, I know, I know what they're saying, but this is this is society's weak way of saying it. Is like, well, if it doesn't float, you know, at least you got to do that thing with your son. We're not gluing wood together. We're building a canoe, which means that it has to float and it has to get us across the the lake. And if it doesn't, we didn't accomplish our objective. So we need to do a couple of things. We need to come back and we need to figure out there might be some places we need to repair or we need to rethink, but we're not, we're not only doing it for the sake of doing it. It is intrinsically valuable. I will say that it is intrinsically valuable, but we also have an objective. And if we don't meet the objective, then we failed. And society will say that, oh, well, you know, there's no such thing as failure. There's only learning. No, there's things such as failure. <laughs> if you set out to do something and you didn't accomplish it, you failed. But we yeah. have such a toxic relationship with the term failure that we can't possibly fathom or wrap our heads around the fact that you aren't good enough today. Yeah. It's okay if you're not good enough today, because here's the rest of that thought. You can be but you need to learn something new or you need to do something different. And it's on us to figure out what it is and then correct the behavior and not fail next time. There we go. Yeah. I, I wondered, and I guess it was, I, I said it more as a statement, but it really was a question of like, cause I don't know, uh, you know, if it was like, if it doesn't float, are you okay with that? Uh, and now no, I'm not okay clearly, I would say now I know yeah. the answer clearly <laughs> Then yeah. it's not a canoe. I didn't come here to build a bookshelf. Right. It's, it's art yeah. and, that, and that's great. And that yeah. has value. There's nothing, but that's wrong not with what art, you started, but that's not what this is. Otherwise you wouldn't have put so much time. If all you were building was art, it's probably pretty now. Yeah. It looks great. Yeah. It does look really good. So you could just I be just done. I want to know if it functions. Yeah, sure. Of yeah. course. Yeah. yeah. If you were building art, it should be both. It should be art and it should be functional. That's the goal. 
for this particular right. project. That's my, and, and fair. But unless it's both of those things, then it doesn't count. Right. It's not like, yeah. it's like being pregnant. You either are or you're not. <laughs> There's not kind of. There's not, well, it checked off yeah. this part of I the I think box. I'm a, no, I might be a little pregnant. Are or you're not. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. It's like a, a right. go, no go exercise. It's either yeah. a go or a no go. That's it. There's no middle yeah. ground. Yeah. I like that. Ralph, you had something you were going to say, I think. Yeah, I don't want to beat the canoe uh, straight into the water, but I think there's something primal about uh, putting distance between point A, uh, between yourself and point A using nothing but uh, your own your own body. Canoeing, biking, running, hiking, whatever. There's something primal about that and you know, very satisfying. And I imagine you're going to put your son in that thing and go halfway across whatever river there is in Maine just so you can go far. Yeah. You know, I had a good conversation with a friend of mine. His name is Trent Pressler. He just came out with a book called Little and Often, and he built a canoe. I actually wasn't familiar and aware of him until we started building our own canoe, but he built a canoe with his father who had just passed away with his tools. And mm. over the past six, seven years now, he's become a professional boat builder. He's This is your most recent podcast, right? Just released today as of this recording. Okay. And, uh, and he talked a lot about the history of the canoe and how it connected tribes and how it created paths for trade and how it developed and honed our ability to work with wood and the nature of water and the nature of wood. And there's just, there's so many lessons that can be learned and all of it is woven into our DNA and who we are, regardless of where you come from, whether it's here, Lewis and Clark taking canoes across to explore the country or the Vikings who would go on uh, raids and, and explore Europe through boats. Like this is, this is woven into who we are. And here's one thing that I found out that was very interesting after my son and I started building this canoe is my uncle reached out to me, my uncle Mike, and he said, Hey, uh, I've been watching you and your son build your canoe. I don't know if you know this, but your grandfather, Carl was a boat builder. (laughs) And so he would build boats and he would go fishing in the San Francisco Bay with the boats that he had made. And I had no no idea. I don't, I don't know much about my grandfather. Uh, other than he came when he was young from, from Germany and, and it was cool. Like I didn't know that, but then I realized, you know, there's some lineage here and there's some history here and I'm, I'm carrying on that tradition and to be able to carry on the Mickler name and to be able to carry on, even though I didn't know to be able to carry on some of his skill set and take it for myself and then give it to my sons. There's so much value in that for me. So much value. No doubt. No doubt, man. Uh, I know this is going to shock no one, but our time went pretty quick today um, yeah, went fast. because we, yeah. Uh, and I find that to be true when I talk to guys who I'm excited to talk to, but also who it's a good conversation because of the alignment, because of the, the interesting things that, that, uh, it lights up in our minds. Um, I, I would consider if I was uh, pointing, I would say Ryan Mickler's a pretty unlocked dude. Um, and, uh, and I have a lot of, a lot of, uh, respect and, uh, and love for something like that. Um, thank you, man. That means a lot to me. Absolutely. Uh, last, last quick, quick question. Um, and I just want to throw it out there and then we can kind of, you know, we'll, we'll wrap it up, but sure. In our parlance, uh, in F3 parlance, um, we define masculinity, um, as courageous love. Uh, and I'm interested to see what your kind of your thought or your take on that might be. That, that's interesting. I was trying to think of that when you said that love, because that's not, that's not typically a word that we associate with masculinity, right? Love. Right. Yeah. That, that's partly because the English language doesn't have different definitions of the word love. We, when, when We've got we, one word. Yeah. Right, and it's romantic typically, <laughs> right? Yeah. But it's not brotherly. We don't, we don't typically think of that, although it could and should be that for sure. Yeah. But look, if you love somebody, what are you going to do? You're going to serve them. That's it. Yeah. Like you're going to serve. So when you think about our motto for order, man, which is to protect, provide, preside, all three of those protect, provide, preside, which is synonymous with leadership. All three of those have an element of service, service to others. I'm going to protect myself and those who are incapable of protecting themselves. I'm going to provide for myself and the people that I have responsibility for, and also those who are incapable of providing for themselves. And I'm going to lead effectively. 
And that's all service to other people. And we don't serve people we don't love to some degree. We don't. Can't. So when you say love, that isn't the, the word choice I would use because of what I just said, but I think you're 100% right. It's, it's service to other people. And courageous, I think that's absolutely right too because it's hard and there's risk and there's danger and it's challenging and it's a struggle and that takes courage. It takes, it takes courage to, to bring a child into the world. It takes courage to ask a woman to partner with you. It takes courage to pursue a, a business or a career endeavor. It takes courage to serve other people, although you may be mocked and ridiculed, or maybe even actually have to pay the ultimate sacrifice for to serve other people. You know, I think about men and women in the military and, 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 and paying the ultimate sacrifice that's, that's a tall order, but you wouldn't do that if you didn't love either the individual or the, the idea or the purpose of the people you were serving. So I I agree with it. I think, I think you're dead on with that. Courageous love. Is that the term you use? Courageous love? Yeah. Yeah. I like it, man. It is. And, and, and I'm glad you answered the way you did. Cause I was kind of, I was sort of leaning on that idea of presiding uh, and protecting um, and, Mm. and meshing those two things together. Cause that's, I think that's exactly how we, we would look at that as, is, you know, we, we talk a lot in our, our world about living third, um, God first, everybody else, and then you. Right. Um, and, uh, and that's kind of how yeah, we, even that, we tend even to look that at those, it. It's an, I mean, I, I agree, God, others, yourself, even that there's some nuance too. And, and I, and I fear that sometimes men don't quite understand the nuance where they'll give everything to other people at their own expense. And sometimes mm. that isn't always the right way to do it. I think you guys would attest to that, especially when you're talking about doing workouts and getting guys together. You have to be able to take care of yourself so that you can more effectively take care of other people. So I agree with what you're saying, but I I just want men to understand there's some nuance to that. And that doesn't give you a right or even an excuse not to take care of yourself. Because here's what a lot of guys will do. I call them noble obstacles. And what they'll do is they'll hide behind their career and they'll hide behind their family and they'll say that the reason I'm not taking care of myself is because, uh, you know, my, <laughs> yeah, my yeah. kids need all my time. And I'm, I'm doing it all for work. them. Yes. And yeah. look, it's no. that's the reason it's a noble obstacle because it's noble and it sounds good, but it's an obstacle because it actually is undermining you and ultimately yeah. the people that you care about. Yeah. We, we call it an, uh, that kind of thing, an Oprah bomb, where it's like, oh, it sounds nice, but there's no real... That's, that's what Oprah would say. Yeah. That's what she would say. It doesn't mean anything because we, yeah, we agree. You got to get right before you can give uh, to anybody else. Uh, You can't give what you don't have in abundance. Right. So man, uh, absolutely stimulating, wonderful conversation, brother. I, I very sincerely, I can't thank you enough for, for joining us today. Uh, and I hope that you would consider, uh, doing again sometime in the future. Hundred uh, percent. My my biggest question though is, yeah, do do I get a nickname today, or do I have to actually go to a workout in order to secure that name? Oh, Ryan, we're not building art; we're making canoes. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll go to a workout. Yeah, yeah. Well, unfortunately, I, uh, sadly, there's nothing in Maine. Uh, no, I think we. I, oh, really? Yeah, I don't think there is. I don't think there is. I now we yeah. lost one up there. There are some in, in New England right. area and there's oh, one coming in Vermont. About this. Yeah. We'll, say, we'll have, to, we'll have to dive in further. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey man, uh, again, thank you so much. Uh, gentlemen joined today by Ryan Mickler. Uh, we very much enjoyed our conversation and uh, please go to order of uh, and check out what he's doing there. Um, his strength of purpose is very, very strong. And uh, I think there's probably some things that, that you may find there that could bless your life, uh, make you a better man, better husband. Uh, and, and doing the things that we're supposed to do as men. So again, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much. Great conversation. Thanks for listening to the 43 Feet Podcast. If you like what you heard on the show, or if it's helped you in some way, We'd ask you to rate us, write a review, and share us with your friends and networks. It really does help others to find us. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, write us at questions at 43feetpodcast.com or tweet us at 43feetpodcast. 
The climb we're on to create virtuous leaders isn't going to be easy, but we'll get there, 43 feet at a time.